Welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast, uh, the second edition of the Pittsburgh Current Podcast, the fourth edition of our uh, print issue. I'm Charlie Deach, editor, publisher of the Pittsburgh Current. Um, I have a guest with me today. Um, I'm not quite sure how to introduce this guy. Uh, he's currently a uh, political consultant, um, uh, but he used to be a former professional wrestler. I guess he's still a former professional wrestler, um, and he's dying to give me a chair shot. Uh, <laughs> Mitch Cates. Uh, Mitch, thanks for coming in. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for having me. And I warn you, the last time somebody brought me on and asked me to talk about wrestling, um, <laughs> they got popped. So yeah, be careful. Yeah, the uh, yeah, Mitch is uh, he saw that chair and his I think his mouth started to water a little bit, so uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned. But I have taken a bump or two in my day, so we'll we'll see we'll see where the day takes us. Um, but so Mitch Mitch uh, works on a couple. He's working on a few campaigns. One of the campaigns that he's working on, and we'll talk about a few of them. But one of the campaigns Mitch is um, working on, it actually sort of has a, a wrestling kind of a wrestling tie to it. Um, Mitch is uh, working on the campaign of Daniel Smith. Um, and Daniel is running against uh, my good friend, Daryl Medcalf up in Butler County. Um, if you um, don't know my background with Mr. Medcalf, just Google Charlie Deach and Daryl Medcalf. And um, uh, I'm sure you will, you'll find some interesting content. Um, also, if you have a question, submit that on Facebook and uh, we'll get to it. Um, but so Daniel Smith um, is uh, he's an openly gay candidate running against Daryl Medcalf, an openly homophobic uh, legislator. Um, so, you know, I'll let Mitch talk a little bit about Daniel's story. Um, well, I'll let you talk about it now. So Mitch, tell me a little bit about, about Daniel's campaign and tell me a little bit about how you hooked up with him. So, um, thanks Charlie. And I'm glad to be here by the way. Thank you. You're doing good stuff. Thanks. So, um, Daniel reached out to me, um, late last year when I was still, uh, with the democratic party. Yeah. I was the political director and he said, listen, I, I'm, I live in this district, um, uh, and I, like many residents here, I'm fed up, and, and somebody needs to challenge this guy, and, and I want to be that guy. So I said, okay, tell me about yourself. So he gave me some information about who he was. He was from the district. Um, he's actually in uh, banking, you know, uh, right. worked his way up the food chain, um, and, and he also interjected that he happened to be an openly gay man. Mm -hmm. um, so that that sent light bulbs off to me and I'll explain that in a minute, right. <laughs> right. which is, <laughs> I know your water, your, your yes. mouth is watering about that too. <laughs> so we'll get there. So when Daniel gave me his background and you know, it's hard to not know who, uh, Daryl Metcalf right. is. Um, there are so many adjectives that you can plug into that yeah. guy's name. And since this is a family show, we'll, we'll keep it clean, <laughs> but openly obnoxious would be right. a good one. Right. Um, so anyhow, openly straight, he had made that perfectly well, clear. He, oh, oh. thou dost protest too much yes openly but, to uh, a fault yeah. <laughs> but you know we you know we got together and you know i left the party and started our um our firm think big campaigns and yeah. he's one of our clients and so daniel is running a very strong aggressive race for that seat um, what's important to know about it is he is he is surrounded by people that are as equally as passionate as he is of all parties. This is not yeah. Democrat versus Republican. This is one individual against another individual. One individual has been in office for 20 years. Um, and another individual that feels like his community is being frankly left behind. Right. 
And so that's the kind of campaign that we're running. Um, it's a very door-to-door uh, -door right. campaign uh, where they, you know, they knock Democratic doors. We've been knocking Republican doors for a month now. And the it, fact is you can't win that district without also courting Republicans and getting their support. I mean, it's a, yep. my, it's a majority Republican district. And so it's definitely one of those classic gerrymandered yep. districts. It's two to one Republican registration, but a lot of Daniel supporters, the ones that are knocking doors are registered Republicans right. who, who everybody has their own reasons why, um, you know, some people are showing up because they're just flat out embarrassed by, by this guy and what he's what he does and what he doesn't do. Right. And so it's a, it's a very interesting campaign and people are working really hard. And the good news is that um, most of the feedback that we get on a day-to-day -day basis is people are ready for that change right. and they're, and they're open to, you know, it, and they're not looking at it with partisan right. lenses. The only person that's looking at it in partisan lenses and homophobic lenses right. is Daryl Metcalf himself. And, and we've talked about this. The, the, the only person who really mentions the fact that Daniel is gay is Daryl Metcalf. Correct? That's correct. And, and um, I've, I've, heard some, I've heard some stories from multiple sources, um, and I know that they haven't had much face-to-face -face time, but I, I, I've heard several times that when they have met face-to-face, Daryl hasn't even had the decency to shake Daniel's hand. Uh, that's sort of the level of that's true. And not only, not only has he not had the decency to like shake Daniel's hand and say, Hey, good luck or right. whatever. He's also stiffed, <laughs> stiff armed. Right. People that are, 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 are just residents that, you know, that uh, are helping Daniel or right. supporting of Daniel. And they've also tried to engage the representative in a conversation and he, and he will not do that. Right. But of course, you know, uh, I think you brought this out in him, <laughs> that he has said openly that he only will speak right. to Republicans because they're his only constituents. Yeah, you know, we, there was always there's this thing, you know, as journalists, we always, you know, even though we all know it, like you, you can you can trace back the record and you can look at the fact that he's never advanced a Democratic bill out of his, you know, out of his committee. Um, and you say, you know, that he, you know, he appears to be he's seemingly an obstructionist. Well, he was like, you know, to hell with that. I am an obstructionist. He right. literally used those, basically said, I won't pass anything that's not a Republican bill. He, he won't, you know, he won't even consider or look at anything else that doesn't come. And that doesn't, I mean, even in the most partisan of systems, that's just, I, that's just sort of unheard of to not even pretend to care about the other, the other parties. I mean, he's taken it. He's taken that bridge to a complete, like way yeah. beyond a bridge too far. Right. Um, I don't know of any other elected official that I know of. Right. Who's, who's, you know, plenty of people do it. Yeah. And they do it discreetly and quietly or right. sneakily or whatever it is. Right. But he's blatant and right out yeah. front with it. And, you know, for those people that, you know, care about the Constitution, for example, right. and, you know, the roots and history of our country, our country was founded. Right. On on um, bipartisanism right. or compromise. Compromise right, exactly, is the word I'm looking exactly. for. And this is a guy who refuses to be that. You know, right. let that happen. Yeah, and and you guys have gotten a lot of support. I mean, obviously you've gotten support. Um, you're seeing support in the district, but you're also getting support from across the state because I mean, you know, 
Daryl Metcalf, you know, is technically a Butler County politician, mm -hmm. but he goes well beyond being a Butler County politician. And you guys have seen that, right? And some of your support in your fundraising as well. I yeah, with, without a doubt. And because he's in a leadership position, yeah. which in and of itself is, is, is a sad testament to where we are in the state. Right. Uh, but, but what he does impacts the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, yeah. not just Butler County. The irony is he's done more to, to, um, allow things to pass that help other parts of Pennsylvania and not his own home district. Yeah. He refuses to send funding to help widen Freedom Road. Right. And everybody that lives in that district knows that this is traffic is crazy. You can't go to the grocery store. A 10-minute drive is a 40-minute drive right. on any given day. So while he's doing things to not help his own district, the decisions that he's making are hurting the entire Commonwealth. When he shuts down bills because a Democrat – touched it or right. or you know most recently when he shut the process down for the whole fear distressing process Correct. which was a huge bipartisan effort right. that people on both sides were working diligently on and they were they were actually getting somewhere um and it and it showed some progress for the for the whole commonwealth he shut it down and, and so that's why people all over pennsylvania um are concerned about this guy are supporting daniel some are supporting financially. Some are showing up to help with canvassing. Right. Some are volunteering to do postcard writing parties. That's amazing. And, and it's, 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 you know, like I said, I, I have, there's no, I have no love loss uh, for Daryl. I, 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 um, <laughs> Daryl's not my favorite person. Um, as we, as we, as we, as we all know. Um, and you're not alone. You're right. And that's the thing, you know, it's definitely, you know, I'm not an army of one when it comes to the anti Daryl, uh, the anti Daryl camp. And it's, it's weird though. It's, it's, he really is a special kind of politician in mm. that I know that there are, there are more moderate members of his own party who, you know, it, it doesn't help them because there are times that they do need, you know, um, well, not many times they need Democratic support, especially now. But um, I think that it's, that it's guys like Daryl who are eventually going to end up swaying the state legislature, the House in particular, maybe at least right-sizing it a little bit. Number one, getting rid of the of the extreme gerrymandering uh, mm -hmm. of the districts. But then, you know, if you can, if you can, you know, get people to sort of turn on these extremes, uh, I guess, of either party, but... Um, I, I always say like, you know, if you look at the extremes of each party, mm -hmm. um, look at the extremes of, 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 of the right. And you know, what's the worst case scenario? Well, we're all, you know, marching in lockstep and the people who don't fit into their, you know, in, into their, don't fit their bill are going to end up, you know, who knows the worst thing that happens, uh, the worst case scenario in our party, uh, or in the, in the democratic party on the far left is, you know, um, People get help who need it. Um, anybody can, you know, anybody, you know, can, can, you know, you can exercise your, your civil rights. You know, you can have control of your own body. You can, you know, you can marry any person that you want. I mean, those are the extremes. So shame that's on the extreme, you, yeah, how dare I, that, you know, promote that. How dare I want help for people who can't help themselves wrong, yeah. or, yeah, I know I'm just, yeah. but you know, you, to your point though, yeah. um, I'm sure that there are many members of his own party that yeah. are in the legislature that you know are quietly with their fingers crossed, right. hoping that we pull this off. There are, and you see this out in the in the southeast. There are many members, or soon to be former members, right. who have decided not to run anymore because because it's become so extreme right. that they're done banging their heads against yeah. the wall. And that's happening at a national level. Yeah. There's many members of Congress that said, "I'm done." 
right? Because of what's happening at a national level. But here at a statewide level, it's the same problem. Yeah. And so, so those moderate voices that have been working with their Democratic allies at the state legislature are going away. Right. And so it is becoming, you know, an extreme on one side and, and, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, as we move forward into the next couple yeah, of years. Absolutely. So let's um, just kind of to sort of, I, I think it's important to, t- I think it's important to tell this story. Um, so you said earlier that it clicked with you that Daniel was an openly gay mm-hmm. uh, candidate, that Daniel was in banking mm-hmm. and that Daniel was running against a homophobic entrenched Republican. Mm-hmm. So you, but you had this exact same experience elsewhere in your career. Let's talk a little bit about that. And this is where the wrestling uh, connection also comes. Well, in. of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like deja vu all over. Again, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. So while Daniel was explaining, uh, kind of giving me his background and all that, um, that light bulb moment that happened brought me back to a few years ago. Actually, um, I hate to say it. It was like 11 years ago. Um, I met a young man in his mid thirties who was also had never been a candidate. Right. Um, was in the financial industry as a financial planner Mm -hmm. and that he planned on running um, against an entrenched incumbent uh, for a seat on the county commission. And this was down in Florida in Hillsborough County. Um, Oh, and by the way, he was a gay man and he was going to run as an openly gay candidate. And And the incumbent was, um, and I believe that this is a professional wrestling audience. I'm surrounded by it. I feel like I'm in my old basement. Um, uh, was Brian Blair or to those in the know, be Brian Blair. Um, Brian Blair was on the, on the County commission, the significance of that race and why this was an important one for, for the candidate whose name is Kevin Beckner. Right. Um, so for those of you that want to do your research, um, you can type in Kevin Beckner versus Brian Blair, you can type in my name and Kevin Beckner, um, and, and you will see the the stories that came out of that race. But um, but Brian Blair was on a county commission that two years prior um, to Kevin stepping up uh, by a vote of six to one, that county commission banned gay pride in the county. Right. They banned gay pride books in the public library. Um, which is just seems absurd. Yeah. This was, this was in the two thousands, not the 1950s. Right. And so Kevin was a citizen who just felt like, you know, this is gone. This, this is not the community that I live in. And so he stepped up to challenge and I worked with Kevin for two years on that race and for a good year and a half, you know, almost every single democratic, um, leader, former current elected, uh, members of the media right. would also say to me, there's no way. Um, some people like off the record would say, why would you let Kevin do this? He's going to get killed. Right. They're going to destroy him. And my opinion was at that time, I stubbornly, uh, <laughs> and people were mad at me for right. being so stubborn. I insisted that Kevin Beckner was going to win the race because he was running as an openly gay man. Right. You know, in in his opinion was, you know, if he if he was going to be transparent and honest with govern in government as an elected official, he needed to be transparent and honest about who he was, and it really shouldn't matter who he loved. It should matter about the issues that he cared about and that the the issues that he would right. fight for. So we, you know, we started out with a small group of like three or four people sitting around his kitchen table, and that kept growing and that kept growing and then all of a sudden 
you know, we were getting support from both sides of the aisle. Right. And this was a 2008 election. This was pre-Tea Party. But there were many people that showed up every day to help us who eventually, you know, were part of the Tea Party revolution. Right. You know, they everybody came together for that common cause right. that that guy was a problem and that guy needed to go. And it wasn't it wasn't really a partisan. It was not a partisan campaign. And and, you know. <laughs> You know, long story short, there's some interesting articles if you find them right. uh, about that race. But we beat that guy, right? And we beat that guy. We beat him bad. Um, and Brian wasn't happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I so there were two funny things that happened. Uh, um, I I had never met Brian. I used to watch him on TV. Right, sure. I I thought he was a great. I thought he was a great shooter. He yeah. was. You know, I some of my favorite matches were. You know, Brian, I, I think there was a match, Brian Blair against Paul Orndorff, I remember. It was a great shoot. Um, uh, but anyways, <laughs> um, so I met Brian. Uh, we, Kevin and I were waiting outside. It was like the labor hall. And we yeah. were going in to meet with the labor council in, in Hillsborough. And Brian was in there asking for their support. And he was like wicked anti-labor. Yeah. Um, but he, he gave it a shot. Right. And so when he came out, he did what Daryl Metcalf doesn't have the guts to do. Wow. He came over to Kevin. He said, Kevin, nice to meet you. You know, right. good luck, right? And then he looked over at me and he's like, Jason, right? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we gave the we gave the Kayfabe handshake and um, you know, hey, good luck. Um yeah. and so then fast forward to the race is over. Brian's pretty pissed off. Right. He holds a press conference um announcing that he's gonna sue. Kevin Beckner for telling lies about him. And then during the press conference, he says, my campaign manager got outsmarted by Kevin's campaign manager. <laughs> so the guy puts me over, wow. which is brilliant. Well, he's a great worker, right? He oh my God. Over, he did he a was, job for you. It was, it was, it was a beautiful thing. And then when he lost the lawsuit, <laughs> I wrote a press release saying Kevin, Kevin Beckner beats Brian Blair again. <laughs> wow. If I was a real smart ass, I would have said loser leave town. <laughs> right. Yeah. Loser leave town. It's a great thing. I, I forgot it. Um, but that was a significant yeah. race because everybody, he said there's no way Kevin's going to win this right. race and Kevin and, and by the way there were a couple elected officials who most people knew were you know not being honest about who they were and who said off the record I would never do that he's right. going to get killed and so Kevin did win and then that actually changed so many things right. frankly in Florida because back then you know if you were gay you couldn't adopt a kid sure it was right. that you know that kind of crap and so after Kevin, there were others that did, the, you know, that stepped up to run as, op, you know, open individuals. And over in St. Pete, right. there are either three or four current city council members who are openly gay, uh, you know, things like that. But, but interesting enough, when Kevin did go into office, you know, us liberal Democrats, you right. know, we're fiscally irresponsible. Kevin did more fiscally responsible moves than not just the local Republicans in the county commission, right. but at the state level, he did. He he was able to attack like um, insurance fraud, car insurance wow. fraud, and was able to make something happen in Hillsborough County that nobody in Har in, in Tallahassee could handle. And and then um, oh, the very first meeting he went to, this is brilliant. Everybody said to Kevin, "Look, you're young. You know, this is your first meeting. Right. Just go there, watch how things work, and don't really say anything." So they were about to do, uh, they call it a, a consent agenda vote. And what that is, 
like layman's terms, and I'm a layman, so I'm, <laughs> I'm right. explaining it the best way I know, is they get a book with a bunch of with a whole bunch of issues all right. in one book, and they're going to vote up or down on everything on in that book. In book yeah. So just before they're about to vote up or down on it, he goes, uh, excuse me, I have a question. And he goes, on page whatever it was, there's a $2 million expenditure for the supervisor of election, and I don't know what that's for. And, and so he pulled that out. Interestingly enough, that supervisor election was just about to leave in shame. And so he caught, buried in this consent agenda, a $2 million wow. expenditure that was literally going to steal money from the county <laughs> and wind up in that guy's pocket wow. one way or the other. Wow. And so they had to pull that out and vote that down, of course, right? So the liberal Democrat right. saved the county $2 million on his very first meeting. So after that meeting, somebody right. said to Kevin, well, how did you find that? He's like, well, I read it. And he's like, what do you mean you read it? You read the book? I, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> he read the entire thing. How'd you find thing. that, boy? What <laughs> yeah. the heck? What the heck? And so the very, very first meeting, meeting when everybody told him to just sit back, be a good boy, right? Yeah. He saved the county $2 million first day in office. So – so, you know, long, you know, the moral of this story is that some of us could give a crap right. about whether or not, you know, what people say that it's an impossible race or you can't win, you know, all those other things. Yeah. You know, that w some of us are very stubborn and call BS on that. I won't say the full word because it's a kid show. But but these things yeah, happen kids. and they happen yeah. every, you know, we're around kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so these things happen. And, and so Daniel Smith, you know. I believe can beat that guy. Yeah. Because that guy, because in, in my, in my opinion on campaigns, it's not there, there, it, there's many factors that play into yeah. being successful in a campaign. Right. One of them is having a good candidate. One of them is timing. One of them is who your opponent is. Right. right? Brian Blair was the perfect opponent opponent at that time. And, you know, one of Brian's mistakes was they, they believed what everybody else was telling us. Right. There's no way that this guy can win that race. I'm not going to worry about it. Do you think Daryl's that confident at this point? I mean, he, he doesn't seem to be doing much to. He's certainly not doing any campaigning. Right. He just dropped what, you know, um, every elected official has the ability to send a newsletter out Correct. to their district to tell them about all the great things they're doing. Um, What's very interesting is – and this is the guy who says, I'm not raising a tax and I'm the fiscally responsible. I'm going to be that voice for fiscal responsibility. You're in printing. You're in publishing. Yep. You know how expensive things are. Absolutely. He just sent out an eight-page, fully glossy wow. um, piece of uh, 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 letter <laughs> to <laughs> the I've district. Done for you and to you. Well, I haven't been – maybe it's in micro, micro, yeah. like tiny, tiny font – um, uh, letting people know that taxpayers paid for this, <laughs> you know, glossy, super high glossy. Wow. S nobody's going to read it, but he spent the money, taxpayer money to push and promote his own agenda yeah. and also do his fair share of campaigning. Cause right. there's an awful lot of bashing on that. That might be more egregious than when uh, former Pittsburgh mayor, Luke Ravenstall put his name on all the garbage cans, uh, <laughs> prior to an election. Um, it just, you know, it just, it, I think it was, you know, I don't even know what went behind that decision, but it was one of those things that was just, mm -hmm. you know, it's obvious what it is. And so it's, it's, you know, you can sit here again, 
<laughs> and knowing Daryl, he would probably say, well, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it was, you know, but if it was, he'd probably be the first person to admit it, given that he's, he, I think he, I think he believes he's unbeatable more than anyone else thinks he's unbeatable. And I think that that could be the, what you need. Look, when, when candidates do that, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's at their own detriment because yeah. especially when you see the spirited kind of campaign that's going on up there right. and we're not, we're not we're not hiding like right. we're out there publicly. You're seeing the social action on 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 our Facebook and Twitter accounts. People are paying attention to this race. Right. People are showing up to this race. And for all of those people, even if they're the non Daryls of the world, but other people that look at, you know, well, historically, this district, da, 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 right. well, Connor Lamb just won a district that was over 20 percent, right. you know, Republican uh, performing district. And he won that race. So. If you have the right candidate and you have the right mood of the electorate, right, and and you know I, I I don't know call me crazy, but I'm guessing that a lot of people, especially in that district, you know, 20 years is that's beyond that's a career a politician. Yeah. He's been in office for 20 bloody years, and so just giving that, some people are like you know what, let's give another guy a try. Yeah, and never mind the fact that oh by the way. He hasn't brought money back to right. the district because he doesn't think he should. Yeah, and anybody who who wants to question what the biggest problem in that district is, I mean, go and drive, you know, drive to Cranberry and 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 try and on a Friday night at five o'clock, whatever, and try and go to a movie or go to dinner on Freedom. You can't do it. I mean, it's it traffic is. I mean, it's it's one of the it's a heavy populated with businesses and, and I mean, corporations, there are a lot of, a lot of corporate entities have their headquarters out there. There are a lot mm -hmm. of workers out there. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where the energy, you know, all the shopping and entertainment is, is out in that corridor and you literally can't get to it uh, in a speedy fashion on most evenings. It's just right. And, and you know, like and he's had a long time to fix that. That road hasn't been a problem overnight. It's been a long, it's been many years. And, yeah. and, and by the way, he has been on the record saying that, this is just a pet project for the right. local county councils and all this other stuff. Um, and, and he said at meetings that volunteers should pay for this. Right. And oh, by the way, the other thing that he was on, doesn't want to do for his district is he doesn't believe that the state should supply resources so that the local first responders, i.e. the firefighters right. and all that, should get upgraded equipment. His, his comments on that is volunteers should pay yeah. for that. And so, you know, here's the guy who has the ability. He's in leadership, right? Most most representatives, they they want to, they need to deliver to their to their constituents, right? And he won't do it. Yeah, I think you know, I think that every suburbanite has the constitutional, God given right to go to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the Steelers game on Sunday, but you can't get there because of the damn road. And you missed the kickoff. You do. You missed the kickoff. You missed the drink specials. You missed the whole schmear. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Cage, I know we're running a little long on your time, but one thing I definitely want to talk to you about, and yes. I want to have you back, because we're also um, our uh, Pittsburgh Current. You can find us on our socials at, at PGH Current. Um, our uh, next issue hits the streets on September 25th, and on October 23rd will be our very special election issue, which um, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about some of these stories and more. But one of the things, and there are other races I wanted to talk about, one of the things I want to make sure we talk about, because I think it's yeah. a very important service, mm -hmm. um, you've developed, uh, you would, I think big, you guys have developed a site called VoteLocalPA.com. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how it can help, uh, how it can help uh, voters and candidates as they... Uh, 
prepare for this the, the November election? So, so one of the things that my partner Craig Rell and I um, we worked on this when we were at the party. Uh, I I actually started building this when I worked down in Florida. Was I'm a big believer that all politics is local. Hey, I'm a Boston guy, you right? Know, and I, you know, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, Boo. but but Tip O'Neill, Tom Brady sucks. <laughs> Tip O'Neill, <laughs> hey, did I warn you? I have a chair. I have a. You know chair. what? To defend the honor, Todd, you can hit me with a chair. You can. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll even. Uh, I'll blade. If you hit me with a chair. I'll. I'll uh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll uh, gig I'll, you right here I'll in gig, front yes, of this audience. Please do. And I know where you hide your blades. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that infection. Could, 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 anyway, sorry. So, you know, like most of the campaigns I've worked on in my yeah. political career have been local campaigns. I've done some really cool, you know, high profile ones too, yeah. but the local ones like Kevin's right. were local elections that affected people's lives. So, you know, being a believer and an advocate of that, you know, we built this program called Vote Local PA and that program was to make sure that number one, there are 67 counties in Pennsylvania, right. not just 12 or 13. And there are candidates that are running for office in all of these counties. So we wanted to make sure that voters had the ability to find information about every single candidate on the ballot from the top of the ticket down to the local level. And, and on this website, a voter could go in there, type in their home address, and it will give them their slate. It will also tell them where they can vote, you know, their polling location. And it'll also give them the ability that we can send them a text reminder. Hey, by the way, here's your slate. Right. The other thing that this website does, which you know, we're we're field guys. If anything else, even my partner, who's a di you know big uh, digital head, he's a you know he's educated engineer. He was on Bernie's national digital team, but we're both field guys. So we we felt it was very important that we were able to provide activists, be it counties, committees, or activists on the ground literature so that when they go door to door talking right. about their candidates, hey, by the way, here's all the candidates that you're going to be, you know, have an opportunity to vote for. Right. So, so we have uh, the, you know, the ability and we've been doing it like the, we launched the site about, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And, and we're getting orders uh, almost daily from different parts of the state saying, hey, can we have a, you know, or slate card for this county and this area? And we do it all the way down to like the, the to the, to the last race on the ballot in this election cycle, it's state representative. And so now people are going door to door and they're being able to provide information for voters to find out, oh, these are the people that I could vote for. Right. And oh, by the way, here's a link. Go to that link and you can learn more about any one of these candidates. And it's amazing how hard it is to find all that information in one place. I mean, you know, even to find a sample ballot, you know, you can't just do a quick search. So it's mm -hmm. really great to have a one stop where you can go and you can look at this. And then, you know, if you want to learn about and, and honestly, I think it's important to to learn about the opponents of some of these uh, of, of candidates as well. And, you know, you, you put in the name. I mean, if you, you know, if you want to know about Bob Casey's uh, opponent, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, he's on he's taking a, a, He's on a bus tour. Yeah. Somewhere. I think he's in a rock band because he's, he's on a tour yeah. bus. <laughs> but on the website, yeah. if you go to it, you'll see that. Like we have every candidate listed and, and for each candidate, um, their hyperlinks to their websites, their Facebook pages, their Twitter accounts, their um, contribution pages. Right. So that people, it's, it's a click, of, literally a click of a button yeah. can get them more information than, than practically anywhere. So, right. so we're proud of it. Um, other states are calling about, you know, we're, you know, rolling out in other states um, but it's something that we we've been building this for a couple of years and we just kind of 
which is kind of birth that baby. <laughs> and, and, and for the last couple of Thank years when I visual. was, when I was, um, you know, the political director for the party, I had this t-shirt that I made. I right. had, it was one of them and it's, you know, it had the logo vote local PA and people were like, where can I get that shirt? And so now they can, cause we have it, <laughs> we have a shop on the page and people are like starting, they're starting to get them now. Right. And I'm starting to see people, um, sporting them. Uh, on Facebook. Where can we get the Jason the Terrible merch? That's what we need to know. You know, I'll have to add another button to that page. <laughs> and when you drive around on Halloween and you see people like dressed as Jason from the movie, do you like to pretend that, oh, look, they're dressed as me for Halloween? Is that like a boost and you go boost? All right. Or? This is no lie. Okay, go ahead. And my wife will cringe. Uh, <laughs> she does cringe. And my kids are like, uh oh. Um, I put on the gimmick. Do you? On Halloween because there is no greater holiday than Halloween. And so where I where I live, there's some there's some shrubbery, and it's kind of dark. And so I'm I I'm I'm a big kid, guys. Right. I hide in the shrubbery and then come out. <laughs> I've been doing it for years. When I I used to live in Highland Park. Right. And and my house was famous for like I would I would lie on the ground, making it look like I was a scarecrow. And people kids would walk up like the teenagers who shouldn't be trick or treating. Yeah, right. You know. And I will never forget this one. There was a group of kids and I'm lying there. And this one kid said, I killed you, Jason. I killed you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I sat up and that kid dropped his, <laughs> his um, uh, pillowcase full of candy, screamed and ran down the street and never turned wow. back. It's like that kid never saw a movie before. Of course you're going to pop up. Yeah. Geez. So I warn you, if you come to my house, you are going to get greeted by a hockey mask. <laughs> Killer. <laughs> Fantastic. And this man is running campaigns for some of the most influential Democrats in the state. There you go. Um, but there's other races. Yeah. And I know that we, you know, we're rolling long, running long and blah, blah, blah. But there's some other races yes. that if I may, um, just, just I'll mention them. I'll push people to look into them yeah. and read more about them. We're doing that congressional race down in Southwest PA, the new PA 14. Right. Our candidate is Bibiana Borio. She's running against some guy named Guy. <laughs> some guy, guy named a, guy um and who is uh, a dude i who's think a dude he's a yeah, dude but he's it's a, a it's a very very interesting race because that's a district with a lot of seniors yeah. and a lot of veterans and a lot of people that want jobs and you know our candidate is somebody she she worked her way up the food chain in a male-dominated industry ford motor company started in the finance department worked her way up to running the finance yeah. department and then unbelievably she ran jag Right. Um, and so she is somebody who's literally created thousands of jobs versus a guy who hasn't created a job. Right. Never mind. He bounces from one job to the next. Right. And then the other thing that, you know, I think personally, I think is, is what makes this, you know, people really need to pay attention to this race yeah. is this guy who served believes that they should cut veteran benefits. Right. Said it on his own podcast. Yeah. Which is remarkable um, that they're, you know, that it's a lazy, um, I don't want to misquote it. Right. But the guy did say that, that retired service members, otherwise known as vets, you know, shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't right. take advantage of yes. veteran benefits. Guy Rechtenstaller, I think is how, <laughs> is how you say that. Um, but he, he, he is the type of candidate. He's the prime example of why you have to not just read what's out, but you have to dig into it, dig into a candidate before you vote for them. You have to pay attention. There are some, and I appreciate you. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, I think that 
That's a dangerous candidate. Yeah. Who wants to cut veteran benefits. And oh, by the way, he'll, he also wants to cut social security and he'll be another, um, you know, rubber stamp for yeah. Trump getting rid of the healthcare system yeah. that we have. And so that's a problem. And then the other candidate that we're working on locally is a guy named Doug Hunt, who is like, you know, he's our modern day Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind yeah. of guy. He's a camel carpenter. The guy gets up at five, six, is on job site at six in the morning, works all day, clocks out at whatever time. And then he goes home and he's been knocking doors for months. And, and so here's a guy living in, it's a Westmoreland district. Um, he's definitely running on Uber, uh, Uber, <laughs> union labor <laughs> issues like family wages and, right. you know, and the right to organize and those kind of very important. Di- and the district they live in, that he lives in is a very big labor household district. There's a lot of union households that are in his district and it has, it has been trending Republican for a long time. But this is a guy who's knocking doors from all parties. It's an, he's nonpartisan about his approach. And he's running against a quiet incumbent, the opposite of Daryl Metcalf. Right. But in his time in office and before that, he worked for a company um, that outsourced steel to China while working for a state project. So they got sued by the state. He, he's involved in union busting when somebody tried to organize with that company since he's been in office, he's taken anti-union votes. And, and, you know, this is why campaigns are important because, and he didn't have a challenger for the last two cycles. So now you have a guy who's knocking on doors, telling them who he is and also saying, Hey, by the way, you know, so, Hey, fellow union members, you know, this guy's not a friend of ours. So they're interesting campaign. Every one of these, by the way, that we're talking about, they're all very difficult races people will say, you know, the question, the, you know, winnability, but it doesn't matter. Like any, anybody can win, you know, the movie, any given Sunday, right. any given Tuesday, anybody well, can win an election. We sure learned the shit about out of that. Didn't we? I mean, we, we right. all, we all, we all live that horror. And that's happening yeah. every, like, geez, the last couple of weeks we're seeing, Oop, this upset here, Oop, this upset yeah. there. So those are going to happen. This election cycle, there are going to be a lot of upsets and, and, you know, upsets don't happen by themselves you have to create the opportunity for those and i believe that you know i'm you know knock on wood you know working with some candidates who are absolutely creating those opportunities for upsets right and opening the eyes to voters and and helping promote activism in the community which is healthy for everybody Blue Wave is just not the name of a delicious raspberry vodka, folks. It, it's very, <laughs> very possible, and and I think I think on some level it's it's certainly likely. Um, before we let you go, um, yes. favorite match that you ever that you ever competed in? Do, do you do you have one that pops right off the top of your head? Since we're in the hallowed ground of oh my god, you're asking me like to name my favorite child, which I can't do. Um, I <laughs> he love actually the, has. Actually, I love them all. <laughs> Look, there's a couple, like, I'll give you some of the, like, I'll, I'll rattle off a couple. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get to wrestle Big John Stud, yeah. those are, the, and, and I remember we were the Sunkiss sun Slam of the Night one Saturday night. <laughs> wow. Back during Saturday Night Main. Um, but there was a guy that I used to wrestle. Uh, I, I was trained by Killer Kowalski. Right. And so one of the guys that we trained together was a guy named Chris Duffy. And he had a couple of different versions of his Chris Duffy, but he often did gorgeous Chris Duffy. Chris was a great bump taker, um, and and when he and I went into the ring with each other, 
we were determined to make sure that when that audience left, they'll say, right. you know, it's a bunch of bunk. But that that match, that was real. Uh, I mean, I grew up wrestling. I've told you this. Yeah. Like, I wrestled since I was a little kid, yeah. watching TV the whole time. So my high school coach, my junior high school coaches hated that. My high school coaches hated that. My college coaches hated that. <laughs> I'd be on Saturday morning and go, Coach, I got to go because, you know, at 10 o'clock, it's coming on. It drove them mad. Yeah. And then when I went into the business, it was, I was, I was kind of shocked at how many people didn't do that. Right. So, so anyways, I was a shooter for Walter right. Kowalski. And so when Chris and I went into the ring, it was a shoot. And we beat the, sh we beat the crap out of each other. And, <laughs> and one of those matches was, um, I just, somebody asked me about this la uh, a couple weeks ago, a Texas bull rope match. Yeah. Where we were strapped at each end with a big cowbell in the middle. I was in pain for two weeks or more after that. Wow. Because we were potatoing the hell out of each other with that bell from the minute the bell rang. And, um, and, and local connection. This was in New York. This match happened in New York. Yeah. Um, but Bruno was there because it was, uh, was going to be a new startup, I think called the IWF, International Wrestling Federation. And it was in the late 80s-ish, right? And this was going to be a new you know, regional. And it was a combination of new, new talent and kind of like sunsetting, you know, some of the guys coming near, you know, like towards the end of their you know, careers. Uh, like the Nikolai Volkovs yeah. and then guys like us. Right. And so, so we did him. I was Jason. He was gorgeous. Chris Duffy and Walter always trained us. You had to go 30 minutes or he'd fire you. Right. And, um, and that's how I became Jason the terrible. Right, yeah. I was wrestling as, as Killer Kowalski jr. I was Mitch Kowalski wearing purple and gold. Right. I love that gimmick. Yeah. And, and then I wrestled Jason the terrible. Right. And at 10 minutes in, this Jason guy said, uh, we have to go home. So I right. did the knee drop from the top and we're over. And Walter was pissed off. <laughs> and then the next, uh, I showed up to the uh, to the, uh, the school or whatever a couple days later. And he's like, that guy was a schlep. I had to fire him. Uh, I can't afford that shit. And um, he's like, we have a new Jason. I'm like, who's that? You and I'm like, what? <laughs> because like two weeks later it was Friday the 13th. Jason was uh, the main event. He needed a Jason. Enter Jason. Wow. But but Chris and I did that bull rope match, which was brutal. And and Bruno was ringside calling it right. Yeah. And I met Bruno years later, and I reminded him of that match. Um, I wrestled his son a couple of times too, David. David. But um, but the other match Chris Duffy and I did, it was. It was, I swear to God, it was on like a racetrack in, I think it's Orleans, Long Island. It's like at the tip of Long Island. Huh. It was on a car racetrack. Yeah. You know, one of those shows <laughs> at night. And, um, and it was Jason the Terrible versus Freddy Krueger. So Chris put on a Freddy Krueger <laughs> outfit, right? Wow. In a steel cage. Wow. And so like, match. we were beating the crap out of each other. And then we're both at the top of the cage. Mm -hmm. And we're both straddling it, punching each other. And then I took his head and I slammed it down on the, on the fence. Yeah. But you know how they hold those chain link fences together? They have that metal rod that kind of yeah. like threads through. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, it was sticking up about like that. Did not see that. Wow. So that hit him right in the head. So then I knocked him back in the ring and you could see the blood coming. Now, Chris Duffy uh, bleached his hair blonde, you know. Right. He was kind of like New England's Dusty Rose. <laughs> he was heavy and yeah. big blonde hair. Yeah. And so, so then <clears throat> I grabbed him 
and hung him upside down in the turnbuckle, looped his foot, and was, you know, stomping him. So now all the blood's coming yeah. down. At that point, we unhook his foot. He gets up, and now he's lightheaded. Wow. He's like saying, oh, we got to go home. <clears throat> I ripped the mask. It was a, one of those Freddy Krueger rubber masks. Yeah. I, I grabbed it from the eyes and ripped it off of him. Wow. And by then, he's entirely covered in blood. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah. People were screaming. It was crazy. And then we finished. And that was, a, I mean, he had a, oh my God, did he have a gash in his head? Wow. It was unbelievable. But, it, but, but again, people would be like, those two guys beat the shit out of each other. And it was amazing. So those are some of my, some of the ones that like instantly pop in, but I wrestled the hard foundation. Yeah. How was that not cool? That's great. God rest Jim Neidhart's soul. I was so sad to see that, but man, those guys, Brett was just a genius. Um, so tough question, man. Well, you know, that's why, (laughs) that's why I was struck out on my own to to ask the hard questions. (laughs) Mitch Case, thank you very much. I appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. See you. We got to have you back because I'm sure there are a lot more stories. Oh where, God, uh, we maybe go on uh, on you might on. see him on another podcast if we can talk him into coming on. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll get violent. I appreciate that. People yeah, we can. That. Uh, yeah, we can. Uh, we can set something up out in the street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> issue four of the Pittsburgh Current is on the streets. It's our fall guide issue. Um, it's also um, last Friday, as as I'm sure many of you know. Um, Mac Miller, Pittsburgh's own Mac Miller. Um, was found dead in his home. And it was, um, this is weird. I mean, I know that we, you know, famous people die all the time, but it, 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 and, you know, and, and people, but there's some, there was obviously there's a connection with, with Mac and with Pittsburgh. Um, but this, I think affected a lot of us just in in a, in a, in a, in a, in a really strong way. And I think everybody sort of feels, um, a connection to Mac and his success. Um, I never had the pleasure to interview Mac. However, I've interviewed probably, you know, eight, 10, uh, other artists, um, who, who, owe who say they owe their, their start in the business, uh, to Mac Miller. And that's the kind of person he was. He was always willing to, um, he was always willing to, um, to help someone else out, especially a uh, local Pittsburgh artist. And, um, you know, certainly he was a guy with his demons, but, um, Mac Miller was a, was a great guy and to be missed by many. Um, so we have our special tribute to Mac this week and we're going to be having some more, some more stuff online at pittsburghcurrent.com. Follow us on all of our socials at, uh, at PGH current and happy birthday to our associate publisher, Bethany Rue. It's her birthday today. So if you see Bethany, um, buy her a drink because she's most likely in a bar. Just kidding, Bethany. Anyway, this has been the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. Uh, thanks for uh, hanging out, and we'll see you next week. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.